Ladies and gentlemen, you're very, you're very welcome back to Radio Navan with uh, uh, Sean O'Brien here. That's Just pretty good, Paul. You need more vowels, though. Vowels. Hello and welcome to the Coca-Cola factory here in Navan. My name That's is... That's kind of dry. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. So Navin is just more Navin. More it's like, it's like Manchester nearly. Manchester. Is it? Are, are, is, are, are you as mad for it in Navin as they are in Manchester? It. Mad for it. Like, it's very vowly. Vowel. And we put the emphasis How on the wrong now? How now, cow? Have a bag of fertilizer. <laughs> fertilizer. Anyway, how is uh, F&I Rap Chat back with the Pauls? Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, so our guest today is Moss O'Brien, Morris O'Brien. Uh, we talk about that <laughs> on the podcast, uh, which he prefers. Uh, so, yeah, Moss is a fantastic documentary maker. And as you always say, full disclosure, it's made of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lovely guy. He worked in the BBC for a while, made a lot of content there for things like the art show, art and culture. Um, the culture show at Mark Kermode. Yeah. And um, he's uh, back in Ireland uh, last year or two making. Is it Kermode? Is it Kermode or Kermode? Kermode. Kermode. Kermode, which is another name for it. Jacks. Jacksy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, I'm just going out to the Kermode. <laughs> or is it the portable Jacksy? It's an, it's an outhouse. It's, is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's what a Kermode is. Or, yeah. yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sound chap, uh, really, really down to earth, and you know, one of us plying his trade, lads. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we talk about uh, pitching and you know getting rejected and make you know coming up with ideas. It's funny you mention. It's funny you mentioned pitching there. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mentioned it last week, but we have a um, we have a workshop with Ip Winshin, uh, who's been over before. Ip, uh, he puts the Ip in script. <laughs> he's an he, he's a proper little ipster. Um, <laughs> you can have that one for free. Ip. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's coming over and he's given a, a general dramaturgy and writing uh, series of different workshops over the space of a week in A4 Sounds. A4 Sounds are a multidisciplinary arts resource in Dublin who have been very good to us uh, from the start. Up uh, there on the uh, Dorset Street. Yes, and I believe they're looking for uh, new members. So if you want to surround yourself with some really interesting artists artists and creative folk, Andy and Lisa and Donald and the rest of the gang are doing some great work there. So And that's actually how me and Paul, uh, we met years ago, but yeah. how we started kind of working together again. Yeah, we, uh, we had a moment <laughs> uh, had a moment across the crow- a, cr- a, a crowded workspace. Uh, I was like, hey. <laughs> He's like, hey. Well, no, he's more like a lot, lot, Well, <laughs> well, no. Uh, so yeah, um, it's on there f- from the twenty fourth. Uh, usual, uh, carry on. Check out our social networks uh, for details about that. Um, there's also some video content that that Ip has made, so you get a, a feel for the guy to know that he's it's not a pyramid scheme. Um, <laughs> he's, and he's uh, he's from Vienna, but by way of uh, Mother Russia. Um, the great guy, he'll motivate the bejesus out of you, and I'm not exaggerating because uh, he has me. So uh, yeah, so yeah, Moss. Yeah, so we'll uh, yeah, let's jump into the episode with Moss. Yeah. Hashtag man. studio here with uh, 
Mars or Brian? Do you say Mars or Mars? <laughs> My professional name is Morris, <laughs> but you can call me Mars. You can call me anything you like, Paul. Okay, gotcha. Um, so we might just go back to the start and uh, how you got into film. Mm, um. Oh my god! TV. Oh my god! You just want to <laughs> pop yourself up on a <laughs> therapeutic <laughs> couch no there. Back in the back in the dark old days. Uh, well, I started out as a print journalist, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I went to college in UCC, and I did a lot of um, like music journalism there. I was basically I just love, still love music. You know, kind of first love. I think a lot of of doc makers that I know anyway are kind of either musicians or actually kind of frustrated musicians I don't know what that is about but um so yeah that's how I kind of got started and I used to do radio shows on UCC radio and and a lot of writing for the college magazine there um and then like was always kind of interested in in photography um but never really saw never really thought of working in in tv or in documentaries um until basically I was like 25 and, and, and I'd actually, you know, I'd, I'd been working as a print journalist for a few years. I was really struggling to, to make a living from it in Dublin. Yeah. And it was 2005. It was like right at the height of the boom as well, you know. Um, so I just thought, God, you know, and I, I didn't have anybody try, just trying to get a foot in the door yeah. anywhere. It was yeah. just so hard. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I ended up applying to the BBC in London just to go over and do two weeks work experience with them and then basically got accepted and went over for what I thought would be for, you know, just well, two weeks yeah. um, and kind of ended up being in the UK for like 13 years. Wow. So, yeah. And was that starting out, did you go straight to Scotland or was that? No, that was in London. London yeah. Sorry. So I was in London for three years. Um, and yeah, you know, it was it just so many avenues opened up the minute I kind of landed in there, you know. Um, now having said that, like... You mean they, they immediately when you arrive there, they don't like hear your accent and tell you to leave <laughs> well i was so i was <laughs> i was paranoid going over there like i grew up on a farm in tipperary so like you know you're going over to work for the british broadcasting corporation like there is it was kind of intimidating but then like you know you realize like there's somebody over there from ethiopia there's somebody over there from syria it's like nobody cares that yeah. you're from ireland and and if they do then it's a good thing you know so like yeah, you know, um it worked for it worked for you as opposed to against you. Absolutely, you yeah. yeah. Having said that, like the two weeks of work experience were on this program called Watchdog. And when I got there it turned out that Watchdog wasn't actually on air at the time and that they were basically kind of in between series and they were moving office. So the two weeks of work experience basically involved me driving a white van around London, <laughs> shifting like right. furniture. So <laughs> that was a bit like oh, they wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't Irish, you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know, they saw me coming. Yeah, that the show Anne Robinson. Robinson? Yeah. yeah. Did she wink at you? Mm, I didn't even meet Anne Robinson. <laughs> she wasn't there. <laughs> just like just me and some other poor devil driving that bloody van around, you know. And was there kind of a culture there of once you're in, they kind of take you under their wing, and it's a kind of a, a, a apprenticeship kind of culture. Um. You know, that would have been the tail end of that, I right, think. Okay. Uh, to some extent, there still was at that point. And, you know, it was just that thing of, um, you know, hustling with humility. Somebody once used that phrase to me. And it's yeah. just like, you know, and I think the Irish are quite good at that, you know, mm. um, just, just going up and chatting to folk and kind of going, oh, yeah, what are you doing? Oh, OK, yeah. that looks interesting. Um, and I kind of ended up getting a trainee researcher job off the back of the work experience thing. Um on a show called Wedding Stories, which was one of the first BBC Three shows, which basically 
there's like obviously a million shows now on TV about weddings and you know I don't tell the bride and all that kind of stuff but this yeah. is one of the first ones and actually it was it was quite a well-made documentary okay. series you know but it basically involved like speaking to like contributor findings or speaking to like hundreds of women that were about to get married right. um and you know but uh, so i actually then i could have quite probably stayed in the bbc but at the time they were running this scheme um the independent companies in london got together to run this scheme called ft2 skills skill set uh 18 month trainee researcher course so that was fantastic. That that and that was basically um, an eighteen-month scheme during which they would s- they set you up on placements with four different companies, really good independent production companies. In between each placement, they would send you off to the National Film and Television School in Beaconsfield to do courses in like sound, camera, all this kind of stuff. And then, as well as that, you had to like basically produce and direct two of your own films whilst you were on this scheme. So, uh, and they paid you. You know, they paid <laughs> you to do it. So, like. Um, so I went. I left the BBC, and you know, there was a few people going, "Oh God, don't leave the BBC!" Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. but um, went off to do that for eighteen months, and that was fantastic. Like, yeah. you know, and the best thing about it was just uh, getting a camera and not having a clue what to do, like with it, and not having a clue, like how, what make a documentary, like oh God, and it was just that the first kind of time really where you're just going out in the world hunting for stories, trying to find interest in people. And then trying to figure out how you tell that story, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And what were the two films? Did it, were, did <laughs> you do uh, the first one was just about this kind of uh, guy. I think he'd been in out in and out of prison, and he'd done this scheme that basically he was given a market stall down in East London, Bow in East London, uh, right under the shadow of like Canary Wharf and all those towers and stuff. And and it was just about this guy just like trying to turn his life around by running this stall, and it was like. Some quite kind of like real old style East London about this guy, you know. <laughs> His name wasn't uh, Derek Trotter <laughs> by any chance, was it? Uh, <laughs> now that you mentioned, I just called him Dell, but yeah. <laughs> kush, um, kush. Yeah. And the other one was about a bunch of Freegans. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know Freegans. Freegans are people who essentially attempt to live off only what other people throw away. So they. Um, they also they called Skippy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So following a bunch of guys going around doing that, and uh, which was good good life training as much as anything else, especially <laughs> living in London when you're broke, you know, it's like... Uh, Did you around. pick up any tricks? Uh, well, I mean, it was just uh, basically hang around yeah. cafes, you yeah. know, yeah, at yeah. like any of those like chain cafes yeah. at the end of the night, any yeah. sandwiches left on their shelves are going straight into the skip out the back. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think some of them have now got this scheme in place where they give it to homeless people. Yeah, yeah. But at I that time, supermarkets they used to be. It used to be easy to just go to the back of the supermarket and they throw stuff out. But uh, mm. I think they've all cracked down on that now. They've started locking the bins yeah. and yeah, which is like God, just give it to people. You know, all the like humanity. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, crazy. Yeah. Humanity. <gasps> yeah. Um. So that was yeah. That was the, the kind of one of the things that I did and. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a great, great scheme. Of course, that's not running anymore because there's no funding for it. Um, the BBC, and it was essentially set up as a, an equivalent to the BBC's own um, scheme, right. which is like, which I think, I'm not sure if that's still running, um, but it's just harder and harder, I think, now for people these days getting into the industry yeah. to try and get yeah. that type of training, yeah. you know, and especially get paid get to do paid, it as well. Yeah. And your know. confidence must have skyrocketed after that. Uh, it did yeah i guess it did yeah um like did you, was that the first time that you felt like a director a filmmaker documentary documentarian it probably was yeah because 
again, uh, until that point, you know, even if you're kind of a researcher or whatever and you're like picking the phone up and you're calling people and that's all well and good. But actually, I think until you've gone out and you've filmed people mm. and, um, you know, kind of on your own, you know, and, mm. and doing it all and then gone in and sat in the edit and had to look back at your rushes, <laughs> you know, and, and kind of cringing. Um, so why didn't I just hold the shot? Hold the <laughs> shot, man. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it was really, really training you yeah. know um yeah and from there how did you end up from there then i ended up uh going back to the bbc there was a, uh, a job came up on a program called the culture show which um used to be presented by uh two presenters called lauren laverne and mark kermode mm. and it was basically just a really really cool arts magazine show you know um yeah it's a great sh- well, well yeah is there an has anything replaced that? Uh, not no. really. They started making long form culture show films, like so sixty minute films. But okay. mm, no, they haven't really. Like the BB, yeah, you know, the BBC's arts. As somebody that worked in BBC, the BBC arts department for a long time, yeah. like everybody would say, it, like the, you know, they give so much kind of. Um, they talk about their like giving prominence to the arts uh, a lot but god they don't at all on their mainstream channels and they've just been cutting budgets left right and center and axing things like the culture show and stuff you know so did um did kermode tell you his herzog story oh (coughs) yeah he was interviewing uh on the culture show yeah on it was on the culture show yeah herzog got shot i think (laughs) whilst being interviewed by kermode and in in tip yeah in typical did you you not hear about this no in typical herzog style it's just like oh i I think I might have been shot, uh, <laughs> but just continues on with the interview. Did he say something like "the bullet can't kill creativity" or <laughs> something <laughs> like? That. Let's just say he did. Let's just oh say he God. did. Uh, in fairness, it was only a, a pellet gun, you know. Okay. Yeah, okay. it wasn't an actual bullet, I but still. I just uh, did this, uh, you know the master class. The bullets they do nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know the master class, the 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 website you can you pay. Oh you yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you do payment. that? Is that yeah, worth I've done it? Yeah, a few. Yeah, I mean. So you do one, it's like $90 or 75 euro or something like that. And then they give you an offer then for another 75 euro, you have access to everything. Oh, so I think right. they did the Aaron Sorkin one and it was really good. And then they're doing a lot more filmmakers. So they yeah. have Herzog at the time. Did I you watch yeah. the spicy one? Uh, no, it was gone actually. It's it's like, like, oh, no, really? Time, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Business model gone. <laughs> I, uh, think, I think he was one of their first big kind of flags. Oh, he was, yeah. He was, actually, yeah. yeah. On but the floor with, with everybody, <laughs> working things out. Yeah. <laughs> Ron yeah. Howard's on there. Yeah, Scorsese. Yeah. Just Scorsese, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. okay. So you get to spend like a couple of hours pretty much with these. Wow. Master Herzog was mad. It was just like, it's before every film. I read like this ancient uh, <laughs> Icelandic poetry. <laughs> you know, it's like it's of very, do, it's very specific. If you want to be a filmmaker, just like Herzog, yeah. watch it. But it's, it's today's not episode that is sponsored by Masterclass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we digress. Uh, so the culture so show. So the culture show, yeah, and that was like at the time it was just a great, again, like in terms of being a director, a great training ground because. Um, I joined them as a researcher, but then basically just endlessly pitched them ideas. You know, we should be doing that. We should, let's do this. Let's do that. And basically just annoyed the kind of uh, execs until they allowed me to direct uh, my own uh, little short. Um, so it would be like kind of features to go. Like yeah, to they were like kind show. of 
five to they could go up to like 12 minute mm. films you know and the good thing about them was that you know they'd very often be just a profile of somebody but actually you were encouraged to make them um little works of art in their own right you know yeah. and they were so, like so it was kind of following on in the the style of um just old style kind of bbc kind of arts programs like uh, things like monitor and um you know, like the types of things that Ken Russell, you know, they, they were our kind of heroes. They were the kinds of people that we were trying to follow in the footsteps of. Arena? Um, arena, yeah, Arena was great as well. You know, and that's where people like, say, James Marsh, like, got his start on Arena, you right. know. Um, so there was a couple of us on the Culture Show, you know, there was a f- some really, really good directors that you could learn from that visually were always trying different things. And, you know, there was money there, so you could you could work with really good cameramen and you could try stuff and, and yeah. you know, uh, so it was it was a good place to learn um, and to make mistakes and kind of be allowed to make mistakes and that kind of thing, you know. And that, did that finish up while you were still working there or was that later? Um, did it, fi- no, I think I'd left by the time that finished up. Okay. <laughs> you, were tr- you trying to say something, Paul? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, were you forced then? Uh, no. I made the BBC. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it kind of got to the point then where you're just... You know, I did that for like three or four years and it was great crack. You know, yeah. you'd go to the Edinburgh Festival every year and you'd just be there for the month and you'd yeah. be making stuff about all the shows on there. But like, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, you're kind of making stuff to a, you know, to a certain formula as well. Even though you're trying to kind of invest your own originality into it very often, you know, you still got a presenter. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of doing, you don't have a huge amount to say often about what they're asking you to make a film about. Yeah. Um, and at a certain point, it just kind of got to the stage where I was like, I'm not really learning anything new now anymore. You know, I kind of need to, to move on, yeah. I think. Go back to Ireland and be employ- unemployable. <laughs> 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 That's not quite <laughs> 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 Not quite, quite yet, <laughs> no. I uh, decided to be kind of unemployable in Scotland for a, a bit longer first. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I went on then to kind of do longer form stuff for the Beeb and did... Um, like, my first long form thing was, uh, again, something I pitched myself. I mean, that's the thing, like... Uh, you know, I think you just have to make your own work, make the stuff you, you know, pitch the stuff that you want to make. And like, God, I pitched them so much stuff, you know, right. that it just got like straight no. Right. And I was pitching them an idea for like years about Northern Soul. I want to make a oh. film about Northern Soul, you know. Yeah. Um, and that only got commissioned when I'd also been doing stuff for Newsnight and I've been working with Paul Mason a lot. We used to be the economics editor of Newsnight and yeah. kind of went on to Channel 4 and he still writes at The Guardian and stuff. Really kind of smart guy. Yeah. And it was only, I started telling Mason about this Northern Soul thing and it turned out that he used to go to Wigan Casino, which was like the kind of uh, temple for Northern Soul okay. when he was 13 and he used to take loads of drugs and stuff and, and stay up all night dancing to amazing uh, kind of obscure 60s um, soul music. And so... It was only when I, you know, put those two things together, it was like, oh well, if if Paul Mason will present right. a program about yeah, Norton yeah. Soul, then absolutely we'll commission it, you yeah. know. So um, that was my first long form thing, so and yeah, because I saw that. Um, so that that must have been a big, like a pretty steep lear- learning curve. Uh, or was it just next? No, I'd say that didn't feel like work at all. <laughs> you know, that thing? was actually. Yeah. <laughs> possibly still the most fun kind of thing right. I've ever actually worked <laughs> at. Ah, I can't believe it. Just the tunes, the sound, like, I mean, you know, that was one of those things where, like, first day, first week with the editor, we basically sat down and just did a playlist Class. of our favourite Northern Soul tunes and then it's like, right, let's just make a film that, you know, fits yeah. these tunes. Um, but it was, yeah, that was, it was good fun and then kind of, ex- I think, expecting things to be as fun as that afterwards, you know, the reality kind of quickly hit in. Um, 
but still got to do some really nice and, and interesting things. I also did a film for BBC Four about um, uh, a, a, a landscape photographer called Tom Wood. He doesn't just do landscapes. So he, he's Irish, but grew up in England and um, but uh, d- does a lot of work in Mayo and um, did, a, did a kind of obs doc following him going around the place, which was a lot of fun. But the thing, the thing with these, like, um, you know, the thing with these, like, BBC films was like you know and we just talk about budgets getting cut and stuff we talk about RT budgets getting cut but god almighty it was really the same with the really? BBC I mean it got to the point where you know um, to make that Tom Wood film it was a half hour film for BBC 4 we had five weeks from beginning to end like to make that film so it was like you get a call on the Friday going can you start this on the Monday you've got like a week to research it then you've got a week to film you've got like you know half a week to log a week to edit and then a week for post. You know, yeah, I'm not, sh- not sure that adds up to five. But anyway, it was you know it was like guerrilla filmmaking. G- it was it kind of was degree, it was guerrilla filmmaking, but also very pressurized. And, and when you're, you're wanting, as well, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And when you're wanting to put your own stamp on things, you know the main the main issue was just not getting the time in the edit. They just they cut edit time now so much and. Right. Uh, and I think that for me, when you're kind of looking at wanting to do features and stuff and you see how long it takes to craft a really good film in the edit, you know, and yeah. you're just like, yeah, you're not going to you're not going to do that in seven days, you know, when you haven't had time to log any of the material properly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And also something you must have to be really creative to come up with visual ways of showing, you know, if someone's painting, it's not necessarily the most. Would you kind of, Dynamic. based on that kind of rationale, would you have to edit in camera as you go? I think I'm going to use that. That's going to be used. That's going to be as you on the fly, as it were. Yeah, you kind of kill your Kill your babies with a little bit more. Mm, you know, I'd like to say that I do, but I don't. I still <laughs> completely <laughs> overshoot because, like, you know, it's that old school kind of obstacle thing. It's just like, I'm like, just, just keep the camera rolling, man. Because, yeah. like, you never know when something, when gold is going to happen, you know. Mm. Um, and of course, then you end up in the edit, and you're like, "Oh, jeez, just have to watch all of this yeah. stuff." And it's like, um, "Hello, darkness, my old friend." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I'd rather be looking at it than looking for it, as they yeah. say, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, at the same time, what I would say as well is like, you know, I was kind of struggling to make the, the BBC stuff as feel as as creatively rewarding as I always wanted it to be. So there, it was. I was kind of doing sh- shorts and working with Creative Scotland a little bit as well. And right. there's a great um, organization in Scotland called the Scottish Documentary Institute, um, which are kind of, you know, uh, they're technically a production company, but they're also like attached to the Edinburgh College of Art. So a lot of the people that do the masters in, in documentary there yeah. end up kind of working with the with, uh, Scottish Documentary Institute. And they've got all of these. Uh, it's run by uh, a French lady and a Portuguese lady and a Belgian lady. And basically they have all of these connections in Scandinavia. So they would run these workshops and bring these amazing Danish producers and directors in to talk to us about documentary filmmaking. And like that was that was like my film school, you know, um, wow. making shorts with those guys. And... Um, was so different to TV. I don't know if it's like quite the same in Ireland, but like there's a real divide it seems in Scotland between people that make shorts and features and between people that work in TV. Right. And I I'm sure there's other people that were making, you know, doing the two, but like I was kind of one of the few people that I knew that was actually kind of 
doing my bread and butter on TV, but then kind of oh, doing you were, shorts you were the stuff. kid that had, you know whose mum and dads lived in separate areas, <laughs> working class and one in an upper well, class I mean, area. It was quite different st- accents. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was quite striking. Like the people who work in TV would be really sniffy about what they would describe as the Sheffield Brigade. You know, right. the kind of like shorts. Oh God, yeah, yeah. whoop de doo. Like you've got it's a short showing in Sheffield. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the people that made the shorts and the features would be like, oh, yeah, TV, oh, yeah, TV, <laughs> you know, and like it kind of felt like you were starting from scratch when you were, you know, kind of people didn't want to know about any of the TV stuff, you know, right. that I'd done that I was kind of dealing with. Um, really? Yeah, 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 yeah that's great. That's great. Like, so yeah. what have you got for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what have you done that's cinematic? Right. And in general, there seems to be a little bit more support for documentaries and shorts and kind of starting off, whereas it's one of the things in Ireland it has the lo- the lowest amount of kind of schemes of whatever schemes there are for short films the fewest are for documentaries mm. is there a bit more support in the UK? Well I mm, yeah um, I don't know if there is actually I mean in so Scottish Documentary Institute run a scheme called Bridging the Gap I was like shortlisted for that twice and then made a film as part of that So you got rejected uh, You've been rejected before I, I've been re- <laughs> I think this I is think a common this is a common theme a theme that comes up on the podcast. If we start talking about rejection, we could be here for a long time. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm f- focusing on the bits where I wasn't rejected because <laughs> the, the rejections would far far outweigh the amount of times that um, I have not been rejected. But like, yeah. Um, so yes, so there is a little bit of support for shorts. I, I but. You know, you look at, it's still still mainly people just doing it on their own, you yeah. know, and then trying to get it into festivals and trying to use that as a bit of a springboard. Mm. Um, I think Film London do, they, they, they kind of put, a, you know, occasionally fun shorts and possibly, I don't know if the Brit Doc or whatever they're called these days, Brit Doc Society, mm. if they still fund shorts, I think they might do, yeah. but certainly bridging the gap. And actually that's, so that's the Scottish Documentary in- Scottish Documentary Institute, and that's also open to filmmakers from Northern Ireland, and I really highly recommend it because it's similar to the IFB shorts. Um, I think the budgets are actually lower, um, yeah. but in terms of the uh, exposure you get, you know, again they will do the, all of that promotional work and they will get it out there into festivals for you and. Also, it's just like what you know, amazing workshops and things around it, you know. So, um, I'd, r- I'd r- really recommend people check that out. Yeah, I've got a lot from doing it. Cool. Um, when then did you um, make <laughs> what's your favorite color? <laughs> when did you make the decision then, or when did you kind of decide, okay, I've gotten far enough or as far as I can get here <coughs> in the UK and you just kind of decide to come home? Uh, well, uh, <sighs> Basically, I kind of realized that all of the films, a lot of the films that I wanted to make were basically Irish stories, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and also, I suppose it's that thing of like when you're working inside the BBC and for the BBC, there can be a feeling of like, oh, God, well, y- why? How can you go anywhere else? You know, it'll it'll be a it could be a downward step, you know, which is absolute crap. Yeah. Um, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of really good directors haven't made the kind of, haven't moved on from the BBC, you know, because of that fear. But, like, um, also, I was just, just seeing the work that was being made here by documentary filmmakers, you know, and being kind of blown away. Like, people like Ken Wardrop, mm. people like Pat Collins, um, also just filmmakers like Lenny Abramson, yeah. um, you know, like, just so much really high-quality work. Um, so that kind of made me think, God, yeah, you yeah. know, like, 
let's do this. Um, And plus there was things like, you know, Brexit had happened. Uh, The the Scottish independence referendum hadn't gone through. The Tories had come in with a landslide. It was just like, oh, God, I just had enough of it. Like, I never intended to move to the bloody UK in the first place. And it's like 13 (laughs) years later. It's like, God, 13 years of slavery. It's time to get out of here. (laughs) But I was nervous. I was very nervous about coming back to Dublin. And I suppose two things that helped were, one, I kind of made a film for The Guardian, but about um, about Bally Hannes and County Mayo uh, called Pitching Up, which was... You know, that as a way of kind of being back in Ireland and making a film here, that was a really nice kind of introduction back yeah. into into home. And then the other thing was I got kind of accepted for one of the IFB uh, shorts, um, got funding for that as well. I hear Ronnie Reagan to make a film about my home village, Ballyperine. So it was like, well, well this was a better move home. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think I was talking to you around that time, or that's around the time we met, and because uh, I was kind of thinking about moving to the UK for work, and mm. you were kind of asking me, "Oh, what's it like back home?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, we both ultimately ended up here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and lived happily um, ever yeah. after. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe tell us a little bit uh, about that Guardian project and kind of any tips you might have for pitching. You've obviously done a lot, and you mentioned that you got rejected as well. But what are the one what do you think was good about tips. the ones that did get picked up? Um, and again, what did you do right? We were very lucky to do um, again with the, the the Scottish Documentary Institute. You know, kind of going through those workshops, and you would have to get up in front of an audience and pitch an idea, and then have it kind of ripped apart and deconstructed. Uh, you know, and and told where you were going wrong and and everything else. And so, with the Guardian thing, I mean, that was actually an open pitch at um, the Sheffield Documentary Festival. So had to get up in front of a massive room full of people and there was five other people vying for the fund and I had to get up and basically for one fund and I mean it was a pittance it was like five grand you know that's just I mean it's kind of depressing when you think about God the amount of work people go to for like five grand Um, you know not not to be sniffy about that but I mean like it's you know yeah I probably like a 15 minute documentary it's not much no it it was probably half what the film cost in the end as well you know um but it was good exposure. I'm not going to give out about it anymore. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, in terms of p- pitching, I mean, I think... I mean, is there a mas- <coughs> magic f- formula or, is, you know, is, like, is there a tack that you use or... It's cologne, I don't know. God, <laughs> well, like, the trailer is obviously all important. Um, if you can get even a little bit of humour in there, it's always going to help. Um, it's a little sizzle reel. Yeah, like oh God, it's yeah. absolutely vital, I think, you know. Um, and I think also just being confident, you know, it's really hard, you know, as soon as you stand up in front of an, of, of anybody like that and you have to start pitching, you know, it's so hard, like the, the heartbeat starts going, the sweat starts going and, you know, kind of maintaining eye contact and maintaining some kind of a smile on your face is really tricky to do. And people kind of smell fear and they, you know, they smell when somebody's not that confident and that kind of gets a bit infectious. And so... Yeah. It's just about like having confidence in yourself, I suppose, and um, no, do your homework, know your shit. Do your homework, know your shit. Yeah, that's always that's always going to help as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but also just projecting and getting up there and knowing, and you know, unfortunately, just you know, you're a salesperson. A big part of this job is being a salesperson for not just for the idea, but for yourself as well. It's like, yeah, what's the idea? But also, like, why are you the person to make this? Yeah, like, why would I give you money? Mm, you know, yeah, it is very personal in yeah. a lot of cases. Yeah. Absolutely, like, 
Um, I don't really have any pitch and tips, man, to be honest. <laughs> Wear a funky tie. Where I wore a funky kind of West African tie that like loads of people came up to me after. I was oh, I loved your tie. I was like, great. Yeah, what about the pitch? Like, um, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so then maybe tell us about how Hey Ronnie Reagan came about and how it's doing at the moment. Hey Ronnie. Whole journey. Yeah, Hey Ronnie's doing, oh, good old, yeah. Um, hey Ronnie. Hey Ronnie. We, uh, so I was sitting at home, like in Glasgow, kind of racking my brain, you know, I kind of, I, I, you know, I was like, God, yeah, you know, uh, oh, I, I know what I should do. I should have a look and see what the Irish Film Board, uh, when are their funding deadlines coming up? And I looked at it, I was like, oh my God, it's next week. And I had a like long night of the soul. It's like, I'm, wow, I don't have any ideas. I don't have any ideas. What am I going to do? And then I just realized like, you know, that old maxim, just dig where you stand. I realized like, wait a minute, Bally Preem. What, what could I do about Bally Preem? So, oh. Yeah, that time Reagan came to visit us in 1984, you know, which is like, actually is my earliest memory, um, which I kind of always knew I'd probably end up doing something about it. But anyway, that was like, as ever, I just need a deadline to kind of kick my ass into gear. So that was like, that was it. That was the kind of the the onus to kind of finally put that idea down on paper and what it might be. And, you know, um, that, yes, it was kind of like looking back at, at Ireland in 1984, which, my God, really does seem like a... A foreign, a distant land now, yeah. you know. Um, nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live uh, Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, but also kind of just wanted to make it a bit of a celebration of, uh, you know, local legends like yeah. that, that I kind of grew up around and Tip with. And yeah, absolutely. And I hope the premiere. <laughs> and uh, also, like somebody once said to me, you know, when you make a film, it's either like a wish or an elegy like are you making a wish or are you making an elegy are you making a film about something that you you would like the world to be like this or are you making a film about something that you know oh god isn't it so sad that that's lamenting dying mm, out yes, now yeah. and it's not going to be here anymore and I think with the Reagan film it kind of started as an elegy actually mm. um, it kind of started as me thinking looking at this village today and it's so quiet it's like so many rural places it's like god half the pubs are gone you know, like the, sh- yeah, like the shops were kind of maybe about to close down. Like the shops, the shop was possibly <laughs> about to close down. It wasn't called Reagan's. Uh, no, <laughs> no, that was there was a Reagan. No, no, there was a really. Uh, yeah, yeah. watch the film, man. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, but it became a kind of a wish. Then actually, became quite hopeful because you realize that actually, you no, know, this this place isn't dying on a street because there's like all these people that are still there keeping it going and and st- the, have such a pride in being from there. You know. Um, yeah. yeah, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the post office scenario now. A lot of po- rural post offices are closing now, mm. and they're amalgamating them obviously because they're going online, and it, it just seems like such a travesty that they're because a post office is not a post office mm. in a small town. That's a social hub. It's like. where you know where the Blue Rinse Brigade get their uh, mm. gossip. Not know? just. Not uh, well. I'm not sure how many people still get. Well, the lads collecting their dough. Yeah. Obviously, all the filmmakers uh, yeah, collecting their yeah, dough in small towns. Yeah, that's more like it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Look, I'm not gonna start going on about. Oh, Ireland, you're one of the Shenaki. I'll just ask a question or two. Um, any tips, advice for young filmmakers, young documentarians out there fighting the good fight? Uh, <sighs> About uh, how to get their foot in the door, or you know, kick it open, mm, or Jesus. Um, Jack Nicholson it. I think don't <laughs> be don't be hanging about waiting for you know to get a job in RTE. I mean that kind of goes without saying these days because um, it's not going to happen. You know, um, I think you just need to 
it's just no excuse now and I'm sure young filmmakers are sick of hearing this but like there's no excuse now not to just grab a camera and go and film something you know mm-hmm. um, and you know finding those stories and just again you know the, like it's very often the stories are on your doorstep you know it doesn't have to be some big massive issue but like stories that are filmed over a course of time like you know just um, are all are always interesting and and I think you, I think increasingly I am realizing that like I've got all these great like one liner ideas but like increasingly I'm realizing that my God the amount of effort and time it takes to bring any one of those ideas to fruition to the end it, it requires so much blood and sweat and tears that you um, you need to really believe in it and you need to kind of really kind of want to make it and it needs to be something that really genuinely interests you you know having said that having said that you know sometimes you just need to go out and make films about whatever it doesn't yeah. matter you know it yeah, doesn't yeah. need to be like oh my god this is the film of my, my life yeah, yeah you know sometimes you just need to go out there and do it and just like get get that kind of experience in your belt like would you would you encourage people not in some cases to get emotionally attached to projects because it can you can go down with the ship if you're not careful yeah, you know that school of right it's a fucking great idea it's a yeah. great idea I know it is, and people around me know it is. Yeah, and this is great. Yeah, but if it doesn't get funded, I have to move on. I have yeah. to go to the next thing. And I've I've seen that in pitching workshops where people are so emotionally attached to the idea that they can't accept any advice about how they might kind of approach it differently. You know, and you're kind of going, you know, it's a, it could be a really good idea if you. But, but have you thought about doing it in this? And it's like, no, this is how I'm doing. It. And you know, and people become, become so kind of stuck in a rut to some extent um, and yeah emotionally attached and I think that's it's, but it's such a thin line between because you need that emotional attachment you need that passion like to kind of push on with the idea but at the same time you need to be able to be detached enough and be a sociopath be a sociopath <laughs> it's the way forward if you want to do well, well <laughs> if, I mean if you really you know see it from and I you know uh, yeah I, I, I wish I was better at doing this myself but like See it from a sales distributor's point of view. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's mm. like they don't care like how long you've been working on this. All they're gonna be thinking is like, who's gonna, who's gonna watch this? And it's that old, Jesus. Like especially if you're trying to make a feature or whatever. It's like, would, would I? Pay, or would you know? Would my, my mate down the pub? Would he pay fifteen quid on a Friday night to go and see this? Mm. Like you know. Yeah. Um. So you, it's tough, man. Like you need to be kind of really honest with yourself, but then. You need that. Uh, I, you know, you need that kind of temporary madness to descend upon you to 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 get those projects kind of up and running and then over the line. You know, mm-hmm. it's draining. Like I'm just finished this big dock on the on the Abbey Theatre now. Like, and it is just like you know, come out the other end of it, and it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> where, where have the last fucking five six months of my life gone to? You know, um, uh, do you have a t- date for that or? Can, um, you, can you talk about it? Can can you talk about <coughs> yeah, it? I can talk about it. Yeah, I mean, so basically, again, I suppose I'm in a situation now where I'm just trying to figure out how you make this life sustainable, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I've set up my own company and was like really, really lucky. Like the first thing that I pitched to RT, they basically commissioned, um, which is fantastic. But it was a, a basically an observational documentary following the two new directors of the Abbey Theatre, Graham McLaren and Neil Murray, who came over from Scotland to basically take over the the Abbey, um, which is, you know, Ireland's national theatre. and um, No pressure. Like. No pressure. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> both guys, like, they hadn't spent a huge amount of time in Ireland and and the Abbey has, like, got such a weight of history attached to it and all that kind of stuff. And they're very, 
um, forward thinking, you know, quite left wing guys. Like, you know, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, Graham was kind of proud socialist. So like um, it's interesting. And, and then the fact that like they were coming from Scotland, I had just moved from Scotland back to Ireland seeing kind of Ireland through their eyes was that was kind of the reason that I wanted to do the, the, the project, you know. But um, again, you know, it was like six months of film and kind of just in my spare time before I got any funding from RTE to actually do it full time. And um, yeah, so I, it's going to be on RTE in the autumn. I think it's uh, quite happy with it, you yeah, know. Yeah, uh, yeah. It could have possibly been a feature, but I just... Yeah, Filming in theaters is an absolute rights nightmare. Okay. So uh, I was just like, let's not make this any more difficult okay. than it already is. Yeah. You know, seeing as it is my first kind of thing with my own yeah. company. Um, it's a great idea. I mean, it's really surprising that no one else. I couldn't believe. I mean, like I saw them do a talk in the science gallery, right? And they just kind of blew. They were so funny, so self-deprecating, yeah. passionate about what they wanted to do and about how they wanted to open up the abbey to uh, like you know, kind of all audiences of the people. Yeah, you know, which is not, you know, the Abbey, was, you know, I think it's fair to say would have come to have been seen as a quite a stuffy place maybe in recent years. Mm. Um, I just like, I think it was, again, it was just that chutzpah thing. I just like went up to them afterwards and I was just like, lads, is there anybody like making a documentary about this? And yeah. <laughs> they were like, uh, <laughs> All right, no. I did actually kind of put on my terrible kind of semi <laughs> Scottish accent <laughs> like mine uh, exactly um, so yeah so you know we're, I'm hoping that we might get a screening um, somewhere like I might go to Galway Film Festival or, yeah. or possibly have a screening in the Abbey or mm. you know but um, keep us informed then. I will, we'll let I will. yeah we'll give it a plug if yeah. not like it needs it but we'll give it a plug oh no no I'll plugs <laughs> yeah, will there be any festivals or anywhere that people could see Hey Ronnie Hey Ronnie yeah so uh, we had our international premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival there in How April was which was, was that? that was pretty cool <laughs> it was pretty cool now Fair Play Culture, Culture Island gave us a little a little grant to go over there. They're great uh, lads for that. They're fucking right. great. Yeah, like, yeah. fair play to Pocket them. money. Yeah. Oh, well, pocket <laughs> money. It barely covered the cost <laughs> of the hotels. Yeah, like, yeah, bloody yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, but it was fantastic. Like, they kind of look after you once you're over there then, you know, right. just like free cocktail parties every evening. Nice. And, uh, yeah, like we had a director's um, kind of brunch then on, on one of the days. And go on, you can name drop if you like. Uh, Who was there? I'll name, dro I'll name <laughs> drop Steve Kenny. I don't know if you know Steve. He's, he, he's a young Irish director. You should get him on here. He's okay. great. Uh, he had a film called Time Traveller showing there. Okay. And uh, so me and Steve were just like knocking back the mimosas, like, going, oh my god, it doesn't what get any better. What the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, this is yeah. But uh, Bobby De Niro came out and gave us a little, uh, a little kind of pep speech, and was just oh like, right. you know, we're part of the family now, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he said oh we're god. part of the family. And uh, but he, in fair, like, yeah, I mean, not to kind of take the magic away, but he. He was kind of like dressed like a slightly disheveled golfer, and then he kind of like banged his head as he was walking off stage, which slightly detracted from the magic. But hey, <laughs> Robert De Niro, man, and like yo, only, yo, and only one percent of submissions get into Tribeca, so oh. it's like kind of that's. Uh, I'll say that uh, you know, you know, yeah, go and make films and 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 in shorts and submit them and just like get your own thing off the ground, but. It also makes you realize like the importance of having somebody like the, the backing of somebody like the film board behind you because like there's so many submissions going to these places and you know if if you, if you can yeah the fact that it's coming from the film board just opened so many doors for us well it opened that door we wouldn't have gotten in there otherwise. yeah there's a lot of people who publicly kind of defame the film board from time to time and uh, 
Don't do that, uh, lads. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, no. Or I, do it with you know from a distance and behind. Yeah. Like, if you're in a glass house, don't <laughs> throw any stones. Well, it'll be interesting. I'm hoping, hope you know. I suppose the next stage for me now is to try and uh, hopefully make a feature. I'm dying to make a couple of right. you know, start making feature docs now. Like so. Um, so you got your application hat. On. Yeah, yeah, trying to get some development funding, hopefully, and and see where it goes from there. But um, you know yourselves, it's like you kind of essentially end up doing a lot of that stuff in your spare time because you have to kind of earn a crust as well. So, um, and it's t- very time consuming. It's so time consuming. It's job. It's we were just talking about doing a BAI app. Oh God, like let's uh, not even talk about it yeah. because this oh. is dull. <laughs> yeah, how's the paperwork going? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we'll finish on high note. Yeah, did you say there's somewhere f- that people will be able to Sorry, for Ronnie, yeah. yeah um, God, so, I mean, we vo- we screened at Cork, we screened at Dublin, was at Fastnet Film Festival in Skull there uh, last week, I think. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I need to double check my, the producer, Dan Hegarty, I'm sure if he hears this, he'll be giving out to me for not <laughs> giving a plug. We'll put it on the notes. We'll on the yeah, notes, we'll but it's, yeah, yeah, it's doing the rounds like it's going to be at Sydney Film Festival. It's going to be at, uh, Newport Dallas Film Festivals, just in case you guys are around. <laughs> and, um, you know, yeah, we're kind of, we always knew it would play well with American audiences, like, you know, given the Reagan kind of content. So it's, yeah. uh, it's doing well over there. The moment. nice Republican red. I'm kidding for and, uh, Best of luck. We're looking forward to seeing the Abbey doc. What's, have you got a title? It's called uh, The Abbey A Riot of Their Own. Ah, great. Ah, cool. Yeah. We'll keep an ear out for that. And if you let us know, we'll let the listeners know. Great. Thanks, lads. Thanks. And keep up the good work. This is a great podcast. Really interesting. We've had some brilliant people on. And fair play to you for doing it. So, you know, keep we'll it up. Keep <laughs> that oh, I promised end. myself I wouldn't <laughs> do this today. <laughs> Thank you uh, thanks much. so much. You're very good. Cheers. Cheers, lads. Thanks.